0: This is a presentation from Narara Valley Baptist Church, a church that's desperate for God and passionate for people. Uh, Good morning and welcome everybody. Happy Mother's Day to those who are in the room. Happy Mother's Day to those who are online. Happy Mother's Day to my mother, who will hopefully watch this back at some point um, as well. And I get mad brownie points as a son. (laughs) Uh, Look, I'm always conscious that it's a rough gig to be between a group of people and gems. What is it? Scones, jam and cream, and free coffees if you're a lady, okay? So um, we might try and lop a little bit of time off my time at Caleb, just so, you know, uh, it's all good. Um, But I wanted to start, because it is a Mother's Day, with a little bit of fun, with a game. uh, I'm calling, if we can get that PowerPoint up. Thank you, sir. Um, What are they known for? And if we can get that on the back, that would be as well. Uh, So what are they known for? So this is a little bit of an interactive. I actually want to hear some people um, yell some things out. What are they known for? Comedy, known for comedy, known for making us laugh, known for being performers, maybe they're known by you for not making you laugh and perhaps not having as good a sense of humour as some other people. Um, yeah, no, I think that's pretty, we're pretty on the same board about that one. Um, what about this next lot of people? What are this group of people known for? Okay, oh, come on, you've got, to be, you've got to be confident in your answer. Social justice, that's right, tearing down of racial inequality, um, education for, for males and females uh, worldwide, some really powerful, isn't that powerful, to be known for that. Uh, just a, an image of you conjures up that sense of, wow, this is, this is the campaign, this is the kind of thing that these people uh, are known for. Um, can we can have that, oh no, that is going to work. Um, what are these group of people known for? Uh, That is the uh, 2020 uh, RBA board, if uh, you're Australian and you're unaware who those group of people are. Yes, exactly, they're known for all manner of things, but I think it's fair to say we know them best for the pain they inflict on the first Tuesday of every month, um, over the last 18 months, if you have a mortgage, so there we go, that's the uh, RBA. Um, What about um, these people, what are they known for? Acting, movies, entertaining us, um, if you're familiar with these three in, in between as well, it's not just that they're famous and they're known uh, in Hollywood, uh, but these three are examples of those who are famous and, and are certainly part of uh, movies who have also kind of distanced themselves from Hollywood in some way, who don't live there, you don't participate in all the glitz and glamour, but have some real kind of earthly family values as well as being really popular. Uh, a couple more, um, we did Anzac Day a few weeks ago, so uh, anyone want to, what are these? Gentlemen known for these, or one of the, some of the 30,000 uh, troops that headed across Gallipoli. Anything else? What else? Um, yeah, service, anything else to come to mind? Heroes. Sacrifice, heroes, yeah, freedom, yeah. Quite an evocative image, actually, when you think about it, and quite an amazing legacy to be known for that. Sports. Little bit of mixed bags up there, isn't there? (laughs) Winners, winners, yeah, we've got some winners. Cheaters. (laughs) Possibly one of the luckiest Australians to ever have lived, (laughs) right? (laughs) That's quite interesting, isn't it, to actually when you think about it? Well, someone can be known for something. Uh, I was going to get one of, um, um, oh, you know, there's Lance Armstrong up there as well. Known for being one of the best uh, athletes in the world, most kind of award winning Tour de France operators, to only then be perhaps more known for um, cheating later in his life as well. So it's interesting, isn't it? What we are known for can change over time. All right, here's uh, an important one is uh, what is this group of people known for? <laughs> hopefully their community service. Yeah. I'm happy for that one to sit as a little rhetorical question as as we get back to it. What are we known for as a community of faith? What is it that people see in us? What is it that they hear about us? What is it they experience of us? What is so true about us, so important to us and so remarkable about our community life together that that's the thing that people talk about when they think about the good people at Norara Valley Baptist Church. Well, this morning we are starting a new series and it's going to run through the rest of the term. Really excited about it. Uh, It's called From the Overflow. And it's just that idea that we have received so much from God, uh, so much of his love and his mercy and his blessings. Like we have this rich inner life with God. That's our inheritance as the children of God. And that is so rich that it is so wonderful. It's not meant just to be contained, to be kind of sequestered away in the recesses of our heart, but there must be surely an overflow, an outpouring, an outworking. Uh, It needs to find expression and make a real difference practically in our lives. And so across this series, we're going to be exploring some contexts where we would hope, where we would pray for, we would expect that some of our life with God would overflow into. We've got some chunky topics coming as well. We're going to look at relationships. We're going to look at how we engage with culture. We're going to look at how we deal with conflict as those who have this rich inner life with God, Uh, how we go after those who are yet to find Jesus, uh, and a whole lot more. Uh, And this morning, we want to start at the most foundational, essential place, and that is that our experience of the love of God must surely find expression in the way that we ourselves extend love to others. A love for one another. Uh, Jesus in John chapter 13, uh, he gives a new commandment. Uh, It is one of his more famous verses and I'm sure you could probably quote it without having to read it off the screen. Uh, He gives this new commandment on his final night, the the final hours he has with his 12 disciples before his arrest, his betrayal uh, and ultimately his crucifixion. So so this is a strategic and incredibly important part in the life of Jesus. He's not using these last few hours to teach and to spend time on matters that are at the periphery of what it means to follow him. It's not like he's reached into his bag and he's gone, okay, here's all this miscellaneous teaching that I, that I forgot or I somehow didn't teach you across the last three years, so I'm just going to all throw it in right at the end. No, Jesus is hyper-focused. And he's speaking only to the most significant of significant things that he wants his disciples to get. The coming of the Holy Spirit. That he is the way, the truth, and the life. The institution of communion and a new commandment. And so Jesus, in this context, he looks at his disciples and he says, a new commandment, right? Not a new opinion. Not some well wishes. Not I really hope you kind of remember this. But a commandment. So automatically they know that that what he's about to say is now a matter of obedience and faith for them. A new commandment I give you, love one another. As I have loved you, so that's the measure, that's the model, in the same way that I have loved you, so you must love one another. And by this, everyone will know that you are my disciples if you love one another. What are we to be known for? According to Jesus, according to his heart, his vision for us as a community of faith, it's for our love for each other. And it's great if the community around us uh, knows us for having a good facility. That's pretty good. Having a big youth group to send their kids along, that's great. Good programs, half-decent pastors on some weeks if we've had enough sleep. But what we want to be known for, what we want to be on their lips is that, wow, they, they love a person there. To look in from the outside and think, wow, they really are the disciples, the followers of Jesus, because I see it in the way they treat one another. I hear it in the stories about how they get alongside one another and care for one another. There is something for Jesus, and in fact for the early church, that there would be a radicalness to our love for one another, a counter-culturalness to our love for one another. Something that would be so much more than what we would experience in the world that people sit up and take notice. And as someone who's been part of church for for many years, it's uh, really great to see Cases and examples, times where we, at our best as the community of faith, do this uh, really well. Um, we've recently moved up to the mountains, and um, okay, sorry, I didn't get your permission to, to say this. <laughs> she always gets nervous. Um, but she joins the Facebook groups. So up here, she's always joins the Facebook groups. You know, what's happening in the mountains? What are the mums of Central Coast or whatever it is? Um, and it's been great to see some of the things that have been posted in there over the last couple of months, where people actually post in a community Facebook group. This is made up of anybody in our community. Hey, I've got you know, I've got a kid who maybe needs a little bit more love and. A Little bit more support. Can anybody recommend a church to me? Okay, he's like, check out these comments. Narara Valley Baptist Church, Narara Valley Baptist Church, Narara Valley Baptist Church. Long may that continue. They will be that kind of church that's known in the community of man, if you want your kid to be loved, not just be a number, not just easily fit into that church because they fit into a nice, neat little box. Oh man, you want to go see the people at Narara Valley Baptist Church. I remember at our at our wedding, we had a bunch of friends because we were part of church who just threw on the afternoon tea after the ceremony, right? And completely normal to all of us in this room, right? That you would go above and beyond to show love and care and support and celebrate uh, people that you love, your brothers and sisters in Christ at such an important occasion. My uncle, he's never never been a person of faith, could not believe it and could not get over the fact that these weren't paid professional caterers. It was so outside his frame of reference that people would express love so practically and go above and beyond to such a great degree because someone went to the church that they went to. What a great witness. Over the years and over many churches, um, I've seen people who have had to go through the most horrendous um, life circumstances and experiences, um, often uh, illnesses, and they've had to track. And the testimony to their watching unbelieving friends and family as their church community has surrounded them. Texting, calling, praying, giving meals, driving to appointments. It is a beautiful testament and a beautiful witness to the church at its best. This place that loves one another deeply. Follow the ways of Jesus. And when I see it, for me, there's just a sense, a profound sense of rightness. Can you see it? Has anyone ever noticed that? You're kicking around in the foyer afterwards and you see someone clearly, visibly upset and you see a bunch of people just hover around them, genuine care and genuine love in their eyes to spend the time to listen, to encourage, to pray with and just go, yes, this is us. This is what it means to be church. And it's what it's always meant to be church. Uh, the early church, they got this. Uh, in fact, our New Testament is Filled with instructions around what it means to love one another. You can't escape it if you read through the New Testament. Um, I've got a, a selection up there. Oh, sorry, that's a really important one. If you're a note taker, you'll hear me say this a lot in the years coming. Love is to be the distinctive characteristic of the community of faith. But yes, in the New Testament, they, they pick it up. And so it's just everywhere throughout the New Testament. Be devoted to one another in love. Honor one above another above yourselves, Romans 12. Serve one another humbly in love, Galatians chapter 5. May the Lord make your love increase and overflow for each other. 1 Thessalonians 3. That fits nicely with our theme this year, doesn't it? Be completely humble and patient. Uh, be gentle, be patient, bearing with one another in love. Now that you have purified yourself by obeying the truth, so that you have sincere love for one another, well, then continue to love one another deeply from the heart. This is, this is genuine. This is not tokenistic. This is not something that's confined to when we gather on Sundays, but this genuine, heartfelt care and concern for the other. Above all, Peter's, Peter writes, love each other deeply. And I love this from Paul in Ephesians. As dearly loved children, as those who know that they themselves are loved. Walk in the way of love. Let this be your pattern. Let this be your lifestyle. Let this be just what you do and what you're about. Walk in the way of love, just as Christ loved us and gave himself up for us as a fragrant offering and sacrifice to God. Love one another. It's the natural and important, distinctive overflow of a heart that is filled with the love of God. Does anybody really love dogs? Mm, You may not love this next story. (laughs) It's always good just to preface, it's always good to preface. (laughs) I know a number of years ago, I came across a a company that had created a product to deal with a very specific problem concerning dogs. Uh, If you are, are a dog lover, if you have dogs at home, maybe you know that they are prone to escaping. The very big ones, they can jump over fences. The very clever ones can work out how to dig under fences. And you better believe it, they're very opportunistic. And if someone leaves a door open, poof, out they go. What's worse, of course, is some properties don't have a physical fence at all. Well, certainly not a nice big one, they have a nice cute picket fence. And so this company goes, there is a problem to be solved here. And so therefore, there's money to be made. We need to design a product that will help keep dogs confined to their backyards of their owners. And so they came up with a system that involved putting a shock collar on the neck of a dog. And they, set up se- and they could set up sensors around the perimeter of the property. And so every time that the dog would cross that invisible threshold, pssst, they'd get a shock, an electric shock, uh, in the neck that would only stop once they retreated back into the confines of the backyard. So what do you think happened? in the tests and the trials of this product, apart from some very angry people thinking that was unethical. It worked. It absolutely worked. The dogs worked out so quickly where and where they could go and where uh, in the yard they couldn't go. Um, Through that experience and that memory of pain, they worked out where the boundary, the invisible boundary line was. And in fact, it worked so effectively that once you had trained effectively, once you had conditioned the dogs to only see their backyard as the only place that they could move, you could turn the thing off. You could get rid of the sensors, you could remove the batteries from the shock collar, leave the collar on, but it was incapable of shocking them any longer. And the dogs, do you know what they would do? They would stay in the confines of their backyard because they'd been so trained, so conditioned to stay within that space. I wanted to take a risk in telling that story this morning, because I haven't met a human yet that hasn't experienced some level of harm from another human being. And I think the experience of that hurt and the memory of that pain often has us retreating inside ourselves into a safer, smaller version of showing love to other people. Even in our churches, I mean, we say we love Jesus, we say we want to love one another, but for crying out loud, some of the deepest pain and hurt maybe we've experienced has been at the hands of another Christian. Maybe they've said something that really got under the skin and really stung. Maybe we've tried to go the extra mile with somebody in their hour of need, but when it came to our hour of need, it was not reciprocated. Maybe there's behavior of somebody else we've felt so unchrist like that it's actually caused us harm and offence. And so what we end up doing is we limit how much we're prepared to emotionally invest in another person. And we stay in the nice, safe, comfortable confines. We'll call it Christian niceness. Not biblical, Jesus centered, radical love for one another. Does that make sense? Yeah. And I think you add on to that how much we are conditioned by our society and our culture about what love is. And once again, love is about what's convenient. Love is to the point of that it's comfortable. You don't want it to be too costly. We only love as much as we feel we want to. And even in the church, I think um, implicitly, and it's been unintentional, but over the last century, uh, we've confused this in, in suggesting that belonging to a faith community means attendance at church events. Or we think participating in a church family means serving on a roster. That's a nice, neat, comfortable little boundary. I can love to that point. I can love you enough to turn up on Sunday. I can love you enough to serve coffee to you after the service. I think Jesus calls us into a far more radical way of being with each other, and it's a far more beautiful picture of what I think the church is and what the church can be. All those invisible barriers that we've put up, Jesus in a moment completely overturns them in showing us what true love is. 1 John chapter 4, dear friends, let us love one another, because love doesn't come from our good intentions, it doesn't come from what is a good policy document or a value written on the wall in a church, love comes from God. It is from him, it originates in him, he's the one who's commanded, he's the one who has given us the example. And this is how he showed his love among us, so this is how we know that he loves us, this is know what what kind of love it is. That he sent his one and only son into the world that we might live through him. This is what love is. Not that we love God, but that he loved us and sent his son as an atoning sacrifice for our sins. My friends, God's love goes beyond all those barriers of what is comfortable and what is convenient and what is not costly. It's an initiating love. He moves towards us before we're even ready to reciprocate his love. He's ready to leave the confines of heaven, Jesus, that is. Take up the very nature of a servant, even laying down his life. This is costly love, radical love. It's why we sing about it. It's why we celebrate it. It's why some of our favorite verses testify to the kind of love that God has for us. And so John, one of uh, Jesus' closest disciples, in writing this letter to the early church, says, remember how much he loves us. Remember what his love looks like. So dear friends, this is verse 11 of 1 John 4, since God so loved us, or put it in a better English word, because God loved us this way, we ought to love one another. It should overflow. It should find expression. It should find out workings in the ways that we love each other. Maybe beyond what is comfortable. Maybe beyond what is convenient. Maybe in ways that are actually a little risky, a little self-sacrificial. But a Jesus-centred, Jesus-way of loving one another. I'd love you to stand, if you can. (laughs) Non-rhetorical. <laughs> Not a command of Jesus, but, you know, an instruction from the front nonetheless. Because I think the scriptures have called us into this, and I think it's beautiful and it's wonderful, and I think when we experience it, we know that is it's so wonderfully transforming. So I actually want you to stand, because I want you to look around the room, and I want to look, you to look at each other. Oh, that's scary. I know, you came to church and there are other people here. Ooh. But as you do, I want you to look around and there's going to be people in this room that you like, you like, that you find easy to love, people that are in your inner circle and you're like, yes, absolutely, I can love them with a Jesus kind of love. And there are going to be other people that you're hoping to get to know and you're wanting to be there for. There are going to be other people, you can keep looking at them, make them feel awkward, it's all right. (laughs) There are going to be people in this room that you actually don't know. You don't even know their names, you don't even know if they're visiting or if they've been coming here for 10 years. That's okay, we're a big enough church where that's just the the reality of the nature of a community. And there are going to be some people in the room, I mean, probably not, but maybe, that you have a little more trouble liking um, and showing love to than than, than others. But I do want you to look around the room because each one of us has had Jesus, the Son of God, lay down his life for. And so when we think about what it means to be loved by God, often we think about what it means for us, for God to love me. I think in the way that we see each other, treat each other, respond to one another, we also recognize God loves you. He's died for you. And the radical lengths that he has gone to, to welcome you to his family. He's created you in the very image of God and now he's sought you, pursued you gone beyond what was comfortable, convenient, paid the utmost and the highest price to purchase for himself your redemption and your restoration. When we start seeing each other that way, when we start recognizing the move of God in each other in that way, how can we not but do exactly what Jesus invites us to do, exactly what the scriptures invite us to do, to show that kind of love to one another? Let me just shut your eyes. I'm just going to invite you to imagine something for a second, and I want to pray a blessing on you. I'd love you to imagine what it would look like, what it would feel like, what would be happening, what you would be doing in a church that looks like this. A church where it's the Jesus kind of love that we show to one another. Where every person who belongs is treated as a brother and sister in Christ. A person who is worth the utmost because of what Jesus has done for them. I want you to imagine what it would look like to belong to a church where people self-initiated and pursued one another. To care and to support and to encourage and to bless. Where the default attitude is whenever we walk in the room, whenever we gather together, is who can I bless? How can I show love? A place where people are seen and valued, accepted and belong. A community where we walk alongside each other through the tough stuff of life. Through the hard and the heartbreaking decisions that we have to make along the way sometimes a community where we know that we are loved and so our faults and our failings, even our sins, can be brought into the light that we might find restoration and forgiveness and to be cheered on in the ways that we seek to follow Jesus wholeheartedly. Imagine what you would be doing. Imagine what you would be feeling. Imagine what you would be praying. Imagine how you would use your time how we would use your homes, how you would use the spaces that we create for us to gather together and dare to dream that what that kind of church community would be known for in their broader community. You can open your eyes because I'd love to just say one more thing. And that is my heart that that doesn't have to be an imagination exercise here as a church community. That that's what's real. That that's what's experienced. That that's what we're going after. And that that's what we are known for. So my friends, I bless you in the name of Jesus that you would know to the deepest level of your being how radically and wonderfully, perfectly and eternally loved by God you are. And I bless you in the name of Jesus that that knowledge, that that love could not help but overflow and spill out and find expression in the ways that you love one another deeply, just as in Christ, God has loved you. And I bless us all in the name of Jesus that in so doing, that we would experience a radical form of Christianity that would spur us on to love him and that would draw many who don't yet know him into a loving relationship with him. May it be for his glory and for our benefit. Amen. This has been a presentation from Narara Valley Baptist Church, a church that's desperate for God and passionate for people. To continue the conversation, we invite you to join us Sundays at 9.30am and 5pm or on our website at www.nvbc.info.